You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Mama told me son, go and play in the yard. Papa said go and play, you gotta break your stomach, go and scream real hard. Go play in the yard. Go play in the yard. You gotta burn your stomach. And welcome to it, Inside the Yard. Thank you so much for being with us. And, Jeff, a big day today. We have Kenny Steenstra, who you go back forever with, a longtime organizational pitching coach. He's at the alternate site in Bowie. He was going to be the AAA Norfolk Tides pitching coach this year. And then Brian Roberts, who always has a lot to say, he'll join us for our insider segment. But tell us about Kenny Steenstra. Yeah, Kenny has been all across the Orioles system. I had him when I was in Frederick for the first couple of years. He was always great to talk to. He's also great for a, a Seinfeld reference if uh, every once in a while. He's a big Seinfeld fanatic. But, that makes but, three of us. But he has been around pretty much all of the homegrown talent that you have seen reach the major leagues. So he had John Means when he was in the minor leagues, and now he is at the alternate site in Bowie working with some of the best pitching prospects the organization has to offer. And based on what he was talking about in our podcast with him, uh, it's a really good time uh, to be an Orioles fan just because the prospect depth and the talent that is there, especially on the pitching side, is really strong. Yeah, it's a pretty exciting time. I mean, these arms are legitimate. I can't wait to start seeing them. And as Michael Elias said over the weekend, both on our Mass and Telecast yesterday and, and through the media as a whole a few days prior, uh, they're coming. I mean, when and, and exactly who and the timing of everything, we don't know. But I do feel this past weekend, Jeff, the ball got rolling a little bit. And before we get to Kenny, just your thoughts on Ryan Mountcastle. Because, listen, there is a timeline to it. I mean, there is a timeline to arbitration for Ryan. There is a timeline to free agency. You have Anthony Santander, who obviously is entering his prime years. And these are moments that if you're the Orioles, you just cannot waste. It doesn't mean you rush, guys, but there's a timeline to it. There, there certainly is, and we asked Mike Elias on the radio broadcast when he joined us on Sunday a little bit about why was it the right time to bring Mountcastle up on Friday, and it came down to just a whole battery of things. Namely, you want to make sure that when Ryan Mountcastle goes to the major leagues, he's going to stay in the major leagues. He's going to have the greatest opportunity to stick around and play there. There's still things that he's working on. He's a young guy in his early 20s. He's trying to get better at left field still. It's a position that's very new to him, but he's looked pretty good when he's been out there. We all know he can hit. He had a couple of doubles in the game on Sunday. He got his first big league hit on Saturday. There's a lot to like, and you've got some pretty exciting corner outfitters right now. Ryan Mountcastle, you have high expectations for playing in left field, and Anthony Santander being one of the best hitters in baseball playing in right field right now. Yeah, maybe uh, Usniel Diaz, not too far away either. What Mullins is doing right now, what Hayes is capable of doing. All right, but let's talk some pitching. Kenny Steenstra here on Inside the Yard. Special guest here on Inside the Yard, Norfolk Tides pitching coach and someone who's working with the pitchers at the alternate site in Bowie right now, who's been with the organization a long time. Kenny Steenstra is with us. Kenny, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Let's just start with uh, your assessment of what's happening in Bowie and, and how the pitchers are coming along there in that environment. You know, I feel like it's gone really well so far. It's uh, obviously a little bit of a different situation, and it has been for all of us all year of, um, with what's going on with COVID and all those sort of things. But 
you know, I feel like we're getting a great job of, uh, or we're getting a great deal of work in with a lot of our young prospects. And it's been really good to see. In terms of development, how do you work with guys on a daily basis? So that way, if they get the call up to the Orioles, they're ready to go. Well, you know, we're trying to keep it as normal as we can. Uh, obviously, we don't have enough players to run true inter-squad games. We're not facing any outside competition or any of those sort of things. So it's a little bit different. It's kind of like a glorified spring training or instructional league setup. Uh, but, you know, we feel like we do a good job of uh, staying in touch with Chris Holt and the big league staff and making sure guys are getting their work in the way that we want it. So is I was wondering about this as it relates to Mountcastle being called up. And same goes for the pitchers. Are they facing the same hitters every day? So you have this, you know, Grayson Rodriguez, Ryan Mountcastle matchup once every five days. I mean, is that how it works? Or it may probably in that day, it's multiple times a day or multiple times in one day? Well, you know, like right now, we only have, I think, seven position players here. And one of them is obviously catching that pitcher. So you're limited on who you're seeing each day. Uh, we, we do the best we can to try to mix it up where they're not seeing the same guy you know, eight times in a five-inning stint. But, uh, you know, we're kind of limited on what we can do. Uh, it's been great competition for both the hitters and the pitchers. They get to know each other really well. Uh, but I'm sure they would love to see some, some outside competition to see some different hitters, that's for sure. Kenny, I want to ask you about Keegan Aiken. You've seen him for a while. You had him a couple of years ago in Bowie when he was really, really good. From what you've seen now compared to what you saw from him previously, how has he gotten better as a pitcher? Well, he's become more of a pitcher. Uh, when I had him in Bowie, I think he threw about 75 or 80% fastballs. And now uh, the emphasis last year, I, I believe, with him in Norfolk was to make sure he's able to throw all of his pitches in any count. And uh, he's gotten to the point where he's doing that pretty well. Uh, the the change-ups come along, the sliders come along, and he's actually started to mix in a curveball here and there just to try to throw off some hitters a little bit. But, uh, you know, the progression's gone really well with him. Uh, just trying to get him better every day. Michael, I said publicly a few days ago that Dean Kramer's, quote, knocking on the door. Uh, what have you seen from Dean? I know he had a little bit of a groin setback, but other than that, uh, what have you seen stuff-wise from him? You know, he came back in spring training this year, uh, a different guy than what I'd seen last year. Uh, picked up a few miles an hour, uh, really trying to work on his body a little bit. Uh, you know, he's the first one to admit he's kind of been a late bloomer as far as physically developing and uh, put on a little strength, and I think that's helped him. Uh, while he was home for the you know, shutdown or whatever you want to call it, uh, he's, he developed a cutter, kind of a cut fastball or a, almost a slider. And uh, it's been a nice weapon for him, especially against the left-handers down here. He's been able to get in on some hands, and it's given him another weapon uh, to use against those guys. Can you walk us through how the process works when a pitcher tries to develop a new pitch, like maybe they say, hey, I need something that can play off of this pitch a little bit better. How does, the, how does the process go? Is it something that they're doing on their own or is it something they're working with you on or another pitching coach on? How does it go when a pitcher decides, I want to throw another pitch? You know, it's one of those things. Uh, I, I think it's changed a lot in the last 10 years. Uh, it used to be you would work with your pitching coach on a pitch, trying to get the shape that you want, the uh, break that you want, all those sort of things. But with the technology the way it is, uh, these guys that are working out in academies and even with their own coaches or something at home, sometimes they have uh, Rapsodo information that they get right away. They can see what it looks like. You know, we've got the Edutronic cameras here. We can see the spins out of hand right away. Um, it's kind of shortened the time on some of those things. We're able to 
to kind of do the same things that we've always done as coaches, but now we can shorten up that learning curve a little bit. But, you know, a guy like him, he's very, uh, very intellectual. He loves information. So I'm sure while he was home, he had, he had good access to that and uh, that helped him along pretty quickly with it. Kenny, let's talk about some of the, uh, the big arms that might be a little more, a uh, little while away as far as compared to Aiken and, and Kramer. Michael Bauman, what have you seen from him and Bowie so far? Uh, more of the same as what I saw in Bowie last year. Uh, you know, this guy is, uh, he's an animal. He's, you know, 6'5", 220, 230 pounds, whatever he is. He's, he's a big man. Um, he looks like a machine on the mound. <laughs> we, we mess with him all the time about, uh, you know, that fact. But, you know, he's a guy that's got a big fastball with, with some good hop through the zone. But the, the most impressive thing about him so far this year is his curveball. Um, it's becoming a real elite weapon form you know early on he was fastball slider that's pretty much what he pitched with last year here in Bowie but um, he's developing that that curveball and change up to become a complete pitcher and uh, he's been very impressive here so far what has it been like watching uh, D.L. Hall in this uh, camp setting that you have in Bowie he's pretty impressive young man Uh, you know he's got the stuff we're we're really trying to hone in on his command trying to get his delivery solid Uh, he still has some some bouts of wildness, some bouts of, uh, you know, falling behind in counts, that sort of thing. But for being a 21-year-old in this camp, facing a lot of AAA and big league guys, uh, he's held his own and he's been pretty impressive. Uh, you know, dominating fastball. He's really – all four pitchers have the, have the chance to be special. So uh, it's just a matter of him getting consistent and uh, figuring it out completely. So if Jeff asks about DL, I'll ask about Grayson. Uh, how has Grayson looked uh, down there? <laughs> kind of go hand in hand, don't they? Right. It feels that way. <laughs> Another impressive young man. I mean, for, for his age and doing the things that he's doing down here, uh, you know, he got a little bit of a slow start. Didn't get here right away, but uh, through a couple of innings yesterday, and he's holding his own as well. I mean, when you think about these guys, they were at A-ball last year, and uh, they're, they're pitching here. And we're using TrackMan for uh, calling balls and strikes, so it's a big league strike zone. And these kids have been pitching in A ball, and you know some of them had a little struggles throwing strikes in that zone. So uh, to be able to come here and compete against you know 25, 30 year old AAA big league guys, it's been impressive the things they've been able to do so far. Kenny, if you were pitching and you had to face one of these position guys that was there, who's I know Mal Castle's gone right now. Who's maybe the toughest hitter to face in that group? Hmm. Yeah, Ryan put up some really good at bats here. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to try to narrow it down to one. We've, we've had a lot of guys swinging the bat. Well, uh, you know, Rushman's swinging well and DJ's swung well since he's been down here. Uh, you know, Taylor Davis puts up good at bats. I mean, we've, we've got a lot of professional hitters here. So it's, it's one of those where, you know, Dilson Herrera is another guy that's, uh, you know, you're going to be in a battle every time you face him. But, but our, our biggest, uh, our biggest challenge here is to keep guys sharp, uh, making sure this doesn't become a monotonous thing where you're facing the same guys every day and making sure those hitters are challenged each day as well. So, uh, so far it's been great. Uh, you know, I think we're about halfway or somewhere around there. So just keeping that up is going to be the, the challenge the rest of the way. Kenny, what do you see from Adley handling pitchers, uh, both, you know, in con- conversing with them, you know, how he uh, is behind the plate, you know, everything that deals with that. Uh, how, what do you see from Adley and his maturity in that world? He's been very good here so far. Uh, you know, I think it really has helped him 
to have guys like Austin Wins, Taylor Davis, you know, having those guys around here to kind of show them the ropes a little bit. He's very open. He's always talking to the coaches, always talking to the pitchers, trying to find out what he needs to learn and what he can do to help us. And, you know, that's that's half the battle. He, he wants to get better. Um, I know the hitting guys say the same thing. He's in the cages every day trying to get better. And, you know, he's got a lot of talent. But, again, he's a guy that hasn't – hasn't played above a ball and he's going to be challenged here to be able to face some of these pitchers and, and be, uh, be consistently uh, successful against these guys. Kenny, last one for me, for you being able to work with some of these elite prospects in the Orioles system. I know it's not like a regular baseball season is, yeah. but has it been pretty cool for you to just get the opportunity to be around these guys? A lot of whom the Orioles have pretty high expectations for. Well, you know, I've had I had reput or a relationship with several of these guys before, but you know, be able to be here and have, you know, kind of the who's who of our prospects all here together. It's almost uh, it's like a glorified instructional league sort of situation where you're you're seeing a lot of guys with a lot of talent, and uh, yeah, it's it's been a it's been a fun fun time coming to the field every day and getting to work with these guys, and uh, you know, I think I think we've got the, a good future base of guys coming up. Uh, you know, if you're realistic if if 20 to 30 percent of your guys that you think are the guy make it you've had a you've had a pretty good run so you know hopefully we've got some guys here that are going to provide some innings for years to come here in Baltimore last one for me Kenny to that end am I crazy I mean we're just naming a few guys we have not even scratched the surface of the depth of it all you know between Zach Lowther Alex Wells uh, you know Bruce Zimmerman who I know is with you in the alternate site it feels like there's a lot of talented arms. I mean, is that, am I, I mean, that's true. I mean, this is a, an exceptional group uh, by any reasonable measure right now when you look at the, you know, top to bottom arms in the organization right now. Yeah, it's a good time for the Baltimore Orioles. We've got a ton of prospects. I mean, you mentioned Bruce. He, he threw five innings yesterday, what is outstanding. And, you know, the improvements he's made in the year and a half, two years that he's been here is just incredible. Um, you know, when we got him from Atlanta, he was, 87, 89, sinking the ball, throwing changeups, and now he's a four-pitch guy topping out 94, 95. Uh, you know, just the, just the little things that guys have improved on. And, yeah, we've got a nice stable of guys here. And like you said, there's more that aren't even here. We'd love to have more people here, but it's just you're limited on numbers and space due to COVID and just the, the staff and everything else. So, uh, you know, we've got a nice start here and a nice group here, but there's even more around. Kenny Sinstra, Orioles pitching coach uh, with the Norfolk Tides, but at the alternate site right now in Bowie. We really appreciate it, Kenny. That was awesome. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. And now it's time for our insider segment with former Oriole and broadcaster Brian Roberts. B-Rob, how are you? Hey, good. How about you? Doing well, B-Rob. Uh, let's start with uh, the Orioles and the promotion of Ryan Mountcastle. It's, uh, you know, to me, I think even when you came up, there's always excitement about draft and develop players, make it through an organization and, and getting to the show. It means a lot of things went right for the player, for the organization to get that guy there. But when that guy's a first round pick and uh, he's someone the fans have followed nowadays, I think in baseball, that's what fans want to see more than anything. Um, a lot of pressure on Ryan. How do you think he handled himself this weekend? Yeah, I thought he played great. Um, I mean, this is something certainly that Orioles fans have been looking forward to are uh, some of those high draft picks in these last few years getting an opportunity at the major league level. And obviously with Ryan winning AAA uh, MVP last year and having a phenomenal offensive season, 
this is a guy that the Orioles are hoping will uh, be a part of this lineup for a long time. I thought he handled himself very well this weekend. I, yesterday, I, I thought he had some really good at-bats. Uh, doubled down the left field line on a really tough pitch down and in. The swing was phenomenal to be able to get that over the third baseman's head and keep it fair. Uh, another double down the left field line. He got robbed by Pilar up against the right field wall um, the day before. So showing that he can use the whole field, showing that he can hit for power, get some extra base hits. Um, and, and we know that it's going to take some time. I mean, the one thing that has been talked about over and over again uh, is what position is he going to play and can he control the strike zone well enough to not uh, strike out too much. And so far it has looked really good. Sticking with the outfield, B-Rob, uh, Cedric Mullins, the way he's played, getting an opportunity with Austin Hayes out of the lineup. How impressed have you been with his performance over the last week? Well, this is another thing I think that so many Oriole people thought we were going to get from Cedric uh, before this. And, and sometimes it just takes longer for guys to begin to figure it out. I know for myself, you know, it took me a good two and a half years at the big league level of going back and forth from, double a, uh, from AAA to the major leagues to really get comfortable in my skin, to get comfortable in who I was as a player. And I think that's kind of the same thing for Cedric. I think we're starting to see his comfort level at the big league um, side of it begin to come. And uh, he's swinging the bat extremely well left-handed. The ball's jumping off of his bat. He's having really good ABs. Had his first home run right-handed the other day, which was good to see. Um, and, and this is somebody who, look, I, I mean, I, you don't want to say it, but I mean, Austin Hayes is not guaranteed center field. I mean, these, these are two guys that, in my opinion, if they can both play – you have options, and one of them may end up outplaying the other one, and I don't know which one it will be at this point. And, and it's kind of similar to what myself and Jerry Harrison went through a long time ago. You know, it was two guys who probably have the capability both of being center fielders in the big leagues. And uh, if one of them pans out, the other one may end up a trade chip or something. Who knows? Yeah, I was actually just going to make that reference uh, between you and Jerry years ago. To be, to be I, I still love the bunt play, and I know it's value. I don't really, you know. However people want to classify it or quantify it, that's fine. But we saw it in action this weekend. It created base runners, runs, move runners along, however you want to say. To me, it's one thing to be a good bunner when no one expects you to. It's another thing to be a good bunner when everyone expects you to. Take us through that art, Brian, and the work that goes into that. Yeah, you're exactly right, Brad. I mean, there's, there's two different uh, schools of bunting. There's the one that catches people by surprise, and then there's the ones where – uh, Cedric Mullins is in that position in the 10th inning that everybody knows you're going to bunt and you still have to put down a perfect bunt and move the guy over. I mean, the art of surprise, even though uh, Andrew Velasquez really isn't going to surprise a whole lot of people with a bunt, but he did the other night with a man on third and two outs and ends up with an RBI, a big run scored, Mountcastle scores on that play yesterday. And then um, Cedric Mullins in the extra inning game on Saturday, you know, he's got the first baseman, the third baseman, both in his face. Uh, Brandon Hyde goes with the bunt and Cedric lays down a beauty down the first baseline and forces the Red Sox to make a decision. Uh, Chavis ends up going to third to try and get the lead runner safe at third. Now all of a sudden you have first and third and nobody out, which leads to the Orioles winning that game in the 10th inning on, on Saturday. So um, I, I really love the Orioles lineup and the fact that there's power in the lineup, there's speed in the lineup, there's the ability to butt, there's ability to hit and run. Uh, they put the ball in play. So uh, the bunt has certainly been a little bit more of this team's um, offensive arsenal, maybe more than it has been in the past and probably more than you see in a lot of big league teams, but I love it. B-Rob, last one for me. Rio Ruiz, I think, was encouraging to see the four RBIs that he had yesterday. But Renato Nunez, how does he get it back on track? 
well, Renato's always been streaky, as as uh, we know. And I always kind of laugh because they're like, man, that guy's streaky. I'm like, well, everybody's streaky in baseball. You don't go 600 at-bats and just hit 307 the whole year. You know, it's it's an up-and-down game. It's a roller coaster, and you're going to have your uh, one for 19s, and then you're going to have your 10 for 20s. And Renato's just kind of in one of those funks a little bit, and we've seen him do that before many times, and we'll see it continue to happen, I think. But what will get him going, to my, in my opinion, is to square up a ball or two, which he did. Uh, yesterday, he hit a ball pretty hard down that left field line. In fact, smoked it off the wall and ends up getting thrown out at second by Pilar. That was a terrific swing. And that was after he had slammed his bat on the ground. They had bat before, broke it in half. You could see that frustration mounting and yet comes back with a, with a uh, you know, squares the ball up real well. So I think Renato is going to be fine. I think, in fact, I'm hoping that at bat right there where he squared it up off the wall will really get him going. All it takes for him is one homer, and you may see six and eight games, as he's known to do, is run those streaks of hitting a bunch in a, at a short period of time. Ryan Roberts, we appreciate it so much. Thanks, B-Rob. All right, guys. Thanks. And that's Brian Roberts. Always a lot to say. And, and real quickly here, Jeff, uh, we'll be doing radio uh, this week for the Orioles Rays series. I do feel bad for, for young Ryan Mountcastle, uh, second series in the big leagues, new to left field, having to f- track a ball at the trop. I mean, that's hard for veteran players who have played there. Uh, maybe it's a good week for him to DH. I don't know. Well, you know what? Think, think about this. He was doing a pretty good job when he was in spring training. That's a pretty tough spot to learn how to play the outfield or get reps in the outfield because you're always dealing with the high sky. You're always dealing with the wind. Buck Showalter talked about it, I think, when he was the Orioles manager, just how bad outfielders can look in spring training games because of the conditions. And Ryan comported himself pretty well back in February and March, so hopefully that will carry over to the trop over the course of these next couple of days. One thing I am concerned about, though, for you and I, uh, what if one of those balls when we're doing these games off the monitor hits one of those rings? We're going to have some fun trying to figure it out on some of those sky balls that if they ricochet off something, I think – when we do our chat with the Rays broadcasters, we're going to have to go over the ring alignments and, and what it means for us. Uh, I hate to tell you this, Jeff. I have a hard time tracking the ball at the trop when I'm watching on television. So good luck to us this week calling these games off a monitor, but it should be a whole lot of fun. O's and Rays, obviously Rays are playing really well, and Orioles uh, rally this weekend, ending that losing streak and splitting the series against Boston. Uh, so really fun inside the yard. Our next guest that drops on Friday, we'll get to know Pat Valleca. That'll be a lot of fun. But uh, Jeff, I'll see you in the radio booth this week. And uh, that was a fun edition of Inside the Yard. Thanks for being with us, everyone. Be safe. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of 
of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.